Hello, and welcome to episode 108 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, and I am joined today by the Three Stooges. Larry? <laughs> Which one of you is Mo? I'm Mo. Who's Curly? I, don't know, I just want to be both so I didn't have to be curly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Pete DeMeo as Mo. Hey, everybody. And Melissa, you, I guess you're curly? I guess I'm curly. And what's the other one called? Larry? Larry. Well, Larry Shemp, Curly and Mo. Shemp was, Shemp was the original guy. Yeah. And then and he Larry left. Curly and, and Curly yeah. took Shemp's place. Yeah. But didn't Shemp come back at some point towards the end? I don't know. Yeah, I think we need to swat up on our history yeah. of the Three Stooges. Wasn't there like a 1980s song, like the Curly Shuffle? Do the curly shuffle. I don't know. And then they did That's a remake. The shuffle. And have you seen they're doing another remake with three female stooges? No. Yeah, no. seriously. That, like Ghostbusters? Yeah, they're doing it like all the, and Ocean's 8 and all those other movies, which wasn't bad, actually. But yeah, they're doing a female-only three stooges, I believe. Could we'll be see wrong. how that goes. Yeah. Well, we're already off the rails, and it's like 10 seconds into this episode. But really joining me is Pete, Melissa, and Phil. How are you guys today? It's Friday yeah. when we're Happy. recording. Yeah, it might not be when you're listening. So those people working out probably like, wait, I thought it was Tuesday. Well, this is confusing them with dates. Sorry. Huh. Then my job here is done. No, your job is not done because this is your episode today. We oh. are focused down and dirty in the analytics. Well, not only are people going to learn about analytics today, they're also going to learn a new word. Yeah, it's a word that I still don't know how to pronounce and I'm still not 100% clear on what it is. I, I would like to hear our podcast listeners chime in on this to see if I'm the only one who actually knows this word because so, I can't believe it. So, do you want to you want to give us the title of the episode? The title of this episode is Analytics Anomalies and Ajita. 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 Don't cry for me, Ajita. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed that you even know those words. What? Only because of the Madonna movie. See, I was thinking La Femme Legita. Yeah, there you go. You got that one? was such a good show. Have you got a joke? No, you guys took all the good ones. <laughs> I didn't know what this word was, and I called Melissa out on it immediately. I was like, is this a typo? Do we need to fix this? She's like, no, it's not. And then, so, so of for course, a, we non Melissa Kavanaugh listeners who've never heard this word, because no one other than you has ever heard this word, apparently in the office, what, what is Ajita? Ajita. It, okay, what is Ajita? It's like indigestion, heartburn. Okay. So why don't you just say that? Because I, I needed another A. Alliteration. I needed the alliteration. So is this is this a New Yorky thing? What is this? Apparently, it's it's definitely a Northern thing. Okay. I didn't realize that it was. Phil's from Pennsylvania, and he's never heard of it. Not yeah. North enough. I mean, I guess not. But Brittany, who lives in Maryland, she says she's very familiar with it. Okay. Huh. You claim it's Italian, right? It's, well, it's, so Brittany, doesn't she have some Italian heritage? Or not? I might have I made that remember. up completely, but I, don't know. I believe she may have. I have Italian family members, and I've never heard this. As word. an Italian. Dude, you are Scandinavian <laughs> slash German saying, as it comes. I, yeah, for sure, but I've had you know cousins, aunt, super Italian. Uh, go get 23andMe done and tell me how much Absolutely Italian you have. not. Not after Glasgow Smith Klein bought that. Why? I mean, you don't I want don't designer want, drugs? No, I don't want to get remarketed based on my 23andMe. <laughs> it looks like you're dying in about three weeks. Would you like to try this pill? <laughs> yes, yes, I would if it prevents my death. Yes. So yeah, we were talking we're about. We're already ad- off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> this this episode's probably giving people agita, agita, however you say it. Right. Agita. 
Okay, agita. I'll try to remember that. I'll probably forget. But So we're basically looking at six different uh, common anomalies in analytics. What typically is the cause and how you can kind of root that out and figure out how to fix it. Or just ignore it because it really doesn't matter. One of those two things, right? I, I like to think it all matters. Uh, analytics matters for sure. And this is cool because we've talked so much about proper use of analytics. But these are the things that specifically hotels see as problems and they don't know the answer to. And this is kind of like the guide. Yeah, they can spend a lot of time kind of ch chasing these ghosts down. And, and really, you know, that's time wasted that they could be spent marketing their property that they're trying to just fix what they're not sure what happened. So we'll give you some. I, I, I guarantee everyone listening has experienced at least one of these. Yes. And probably multiple ones of these. Uh, so. I would agree. Yeah, but before, Pete, we get into that, what time is it? It's time for the news of Ruse. You know, I was thinking Pete and I need to do a duet. <gasps> right now? Mind blown. I need one of those little, little wow. things you blow. Get the key. Like, yeah, key. Ready? All right, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever, for your audio and pleasure, one, it is two, Pete and, and Melissa. One, two, three, four. With hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for news of Ruse. Wow. Yes. I, I just felt like this whole show has peaked like that we have to go down from here there's no we way we just jumped up. the shark i, I felt yeah, like i was outside of my body watching myself saying that was <laughs> freaky man <laughs> that was awesome so importantly what is actually going on in the news all right well I, I actually have a news item it's a pretty good one and it comes to us from focus wire and the headline is accommodations providers want brand hijacking on google made illegal Dun, dun, dun. And this comes from Stewart's side of the pond, where the Bed and Breakfast Association in the UK is peti petitioning the government to basically make it illegal for OTAs to bid on hotel brand terms. Whoa. Yeah. So this is a big one if it goes anywhere, because typically what we've seen with GDPR, a lot of the ADA requirements, a lot of email rules... What happens in the, you know, EU or in England typically, you know, funnels its way over here, you know, into the future. So this is a big one because if the, let's say Expedia can no longer bid on a specific hotel's name, that's going to completely rock the boat in terms of what a PPC value is. Well, Google's going to lose it after, <laughs> you know, how much money do they make off of OTAs? bidding on hotel brand names right because right now it is definitely a david and goliath type situation because all the big players google for sure but in the otas as well all want to keep bidding on the brand term well you won't have to bid on your own brand term if the otas aren't exactly right. yeah and put, keep that in perspective the otas spend billions literally with a b billions of dollars a year like four billion each the two the two big guys on adwords you know, or Google ads. So an, a lot, large chunk of that is on brand terms. So there's some precedent here in, in the legal sense. You know, we work with a lot of condo tells, so folks that have a unique challenge in that because they don't own every unit as, as individual homeowners, other offsite rental management companies can come in and rent out units within your property and they'll bid on your brand, right? So in Florida, in the, the district court, I forget which, which specifically which court it was, but the Satai, which I believe is in Miami, won a, a case recently which prevented off-site ma 
management companies from bidding on the brand, which was great. So I was speaking with the lawyers that won that case and just getting into the nitty gritty of it. And they, there was a lot of other kind of stipulations that, that offsite managers couldn't refer to the, the brand in any marketing capacity other than to say they had a unit at it. They couldn't refer to the staff, the amenities, any of that stuff. So I was asking them about uh, OTAs. Like, can we can we create a similar case against OTAs and prevent them from bidding? So the, the, what they asked me to do was go gather Expedia and uh, Booking.com contracts from some of our clients. So I did. I went and got probably about 30 different contracts. Every one of them has a clause in it that specifically says that by participating in Booking or Expedia, you consent to allowing them to bid on your brand. So I think I think we're going to really struggle. You know, I don't see... I don't see booking or Expedia removing those clauses, you know? So what happens in that scenario? And, and these were all, to be clear, these were all North American properties. They weren't European, specifically UK properties. So obviously legally, there's a lot of different things going on between But I, I feel like that's England. a pretty solid case that the OTAs have. It's voluntary right. to be listed on OTA. And if right. you're abiding by their terms of service, Right. You have no leg to stand on. There is, in my mind, in North America specifically, there is zero chance that this is going to happen where they're prohibited from bidding because they'll basically call your bluff. They'll play a game of chicken and they'll win because mm -hmm. people are too dependent on OTAs and they will say, hey, if you want to be on my platform, you have to allow me to do this. Yep. Is there any kind of loophole in those contracts where you can say you can't use my brand name in your ad copy? I know. Uh, no, it's watertight, man. These guys are smart. I mean, they, they anticipate this yeah. being the response well, at I some mean, point. Because Google does that to everybody. If you use someone else's brand name in your ad copy, they, they disapprove the ad. For example, a if lot of... If you have the, a trademark violation. Right, so right? a lot of our hotels, will ha they have Starbucks uh, in within the building. Mm -hmm. If you try to put that in ad copy, it gets disapproved immediately. So, I mean, I, it's, I'm just curious if there's any kind of like little yeah. loophole there i mean you 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 have more protection if you trademarked your name which every hotel should trademark his name the problem is you know and i say that because of most of who we work with are independents but the problem is it, you can't go trademark the marriott austin or something because you don't own the Mar mm -hmm. marriott mark you know so it it's really it's a gr very gray area but I, I you know i really don't see this being something that's gonna come through especially in north america anytime soon oh and just you brought up a cool point if you do have your name trademarked you can use that in, within your ad copy you can put the little r or tm in there and just kind of adds that a little official yeah so go ahead and use that yeah also put the word official in there yeah i do that, that all the time yeah it works that has well. a great impact on your click-through rate <coughs> that's a good news though. what else we got Oh, we've got some more uh, Google Hotel ads changes because because Google. Because they're taking over. So uh, this is from hotelmarketing.com, and basically, it, there's just there's there's just more changes in Google Hotel ads, making it more user friendly. There's more deals, filters, just all all the things, just more things. Now Google Google made their kind of rebrand last year from Google AdWords to Google Ads and they consolidated a lot of things. So Phil, do you feel like do you feel like there's a meaningful change since they did that? Um no. Honestly, not not really. I the way In the they made it or the management. 
in the listings for sure, the way it's displayed, definitely. But, in but that's the always been evolving, right? right? That's not the actual operation of the systems. No, um, obviously, AdWords changed its interface when you know slightly before they switched to Google Ads, but um, Google Hotel Ads really hasn't. And when I talk to support at Google Hotel Ads, um, I've asked them to make features like we see in AdWords, and I get the response that, like, we have nothing to do with AdWords. So Google's completely separated that side of the house. They, they, they don't talk to each other yet. I believe that in the future that's probably going to happen. It'll be easier on Google, easier on marketers. So, I mean, I, then I, they've indicated that's the direction. They right. Which we just we haven't seen it from the management side of the house yeah. where, where, where we where we actually make optimizations now so you know to the to your actual story melissa where google are making more changes and go click on the link if you want to see the specifics i think the important takeaway is google's always making changes yeah. and you've got to stay up to date we we have a, a a large client that you know a lot of our clients use all our services but a handful of them or a good chunk of them They'll use us for certain services, and in one case, we were helping them out from an analytics perspective. But they had, you know, their their local guy that they've used forever that does their AdWords, and this is a a, a pretty large group of properties. They have ten properties. They spend a lot of money on AdWords, and um, they use the, you know a swanky AI powered bid management tool, so it's adjusting bids every day. But in looking, scrutinizing what they've been doing for the last two years, they're not taking advantage. Because if you just look at what didn't exist a year or two ago in ad, Google Ads, you know, the ads are bigger now. You've mm -hmm. got more more content in terms of more lines, more text on each line. More call-outs. Yeah, the call-out extensions, extensions all the different extensions you've extensions got. Extensions are your friend. You've got um, responsive ads didn't exist a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. or, or at least is a lot more sophisticated now. So this this... I would consider this client a, a very sophisticated client, typically. You know, they do a really good job marketing. And yet, in one of their core fundamentals, they're lacking because they're not staying up to date on AdWords. And that's oh. the big danger of any AI-based bid management program or revenue management program or anything. It's going to only use the system that it was designed to be used for. When things change that system may not change. And it may have changed and it may have had new features, but if you're not staying up to date, you, there's, there's never a set it and forget oh, it. Oh, that's that was what I was but, just about to say, Pete, is we see it all the time when we audit PPC accounts as people have a set it and forget it mentality, mm -hmm. um, especially someone like what Stuart was just mentioning, um, where they have an AI-based you know, bid management. So they're, the AI is adjusting the bids. This guy definitely was not in there changing ad copy, testing new ad copy. I mean, they right. had, they had specials that enough. were expired being, right. I mean, it was stuff that had been in there it for It was PPC years. 101 that should, should be block and tackle stuff that yep. should be addressed. Well, and that's where AI can really hurt you because if you're not doing the 101 stuff and you assume that, oh, I'll, I'm using AI and that's a, a big fancy word and you, and you forget about it. Yeah, you get complacent. You, you get very complacent and it's garbage in, garbage out. If you don't have a good right. system, it's, it's going to fail. Yeah, we're, we're at a point now. It's, it's kind of like a, a, the beginning, right? The inception of where AI is going to augment us as, as marketers. We, we can use these tools to help us make smarter decisions, but it is nowhere near being a replacement and probably will not be for another couple of decades, right? You need to have... Even if you have the swankiest AI-powered bid management tool, 
which makes your life a lot easier, does the bit adjustments. It isn't writing new copy for you. It isn't you know looking at what Google's doing and changing and rolling out from an extension standpoint. You still have to have this manual piece, the human element, to make sure you're maximizing the potential. AI augments good marketers. And gives you the time to do the good marketing. Okay. It, right. it takes the things that anybody could do, the AI side. Right. It automates the, yeah. the monkey work. Right. Yeah. And, sure. and also, you know, when you when you set up these AI platforms, you're setting a goal, whether it be return on ad spend, click-through rate, whatever. Um, that's something you need to evaluate every now and then either, every now and then also because, you know, your goals may change. Um, you may be consistently exceeding your goal. You need to up that stuff. So you can't just set it and forget it with these platforms. You, you need to be maintaining it in terms of, like you said, ad copy, but also you know, what your goals are and what the purpose of the tool is. Wow. So you also have a story, uh, Phil, about, and this is, we're switching gears a little bit, still in the performance advertising st- uh, space, but Bing, this is a great example why you can't set it and forget it. So Bing made a change recent, recently without really telling anyone. Right. So that f- threw us for a loop. Yeah, I, I was noticing that you know, our click-through rates for Bing ads was just tanking. Um, looking into it further, I noticed that there was a line there that's you know said, I think it was like audiences. <laughs> I think is what the what the uh, label was. And this audiences was dragging our click-through rate from like a 30% to 11%. So I was looking at why that is. And apparently Bing has automatically opted everyone in to native ad placements for their search ads. Insane. So, I mean, if you're not familiar with native ad placement, it typically shows up below an article. Um, it might look like another article, something like that. That's That's typically what people would call native ad placement. But in this case, they were putting your search ad in a native ad spot, no one was clicking on these things. I mean, they're great ads, but right. no one's searching so without, for it, so without it's terrible. opting into this, Bing just took it upon themselves to, to opt us in. So think about that, right? When someone comes to a search engine and puts in a keyword, there's an intent there. They, they are trying to perform a task, book a hotel room, for example. But when someone's getting exposed to a native ad, which again, like you said, is usually at the bottom of some garbage article, there's another like row of 20 garbage articles to, to keep you in that ecosystem. That That's not the same. Mm-hmm. Like someone reading an article and seeing my ad is, does not have the same intent as someone that's on a search engine. So clearly that's a less qualified person. Clearly they're going to click less. And if they do click, they're probably less likely to go on a book as well. So right. not only is my click through rate going to decrease, but my, most of my conversion rate of people that click is probably going to decrease as well. So for them to do this without really telling people they were doing it was crazy. Um, and the worst part, to opt yourself out of it, you have to do it on a campaign level. You can't even do it as, you're, I don't want my account to show for this. Each campaign you're running, you have to turn it off. That's and insane. We, and we have a client with 220 campaigns. It's ludicrous. Well, they, they yeah. took a page from TripAdvisor's playbook yeah. of, oh, you're opted into all countries. Every country, and yeah. you have to deselect each country by a single click. Yeah, I hate that noise, which we talked to TripAdvisor about, and they said they're going to try to fix, but we'll see. Yeah, but in, to Bing's credit, when we raised it with our Bing rep, they took care of the problem. Right. They, they were the ones that went in and unchecked the Saved 200. me hours. Yeah. Thank you. I think your name is Eno. Thank you. Yeah. 
So, I mean, they, they owned the, the issue when we brought it to them. But to do that in the first place, that's... This is so sketchy. That was so, is, did that happen to all our... Every the, single Every single one, one of our Bing accounts. So the chances are you listening now, if you're running on Bing ads, this probably happened to you too. Yeah, I so. mean, for... I think... I mean, I, I, I only caught it recently, but, you know, I had noticed, you know, okay, our click-through rates are diving a little bit. Didn't really put too much thought into it. And then when I looked at year-over-year click-through rate and just had to facepalm, like, what is going on here? What did, yeah. what happened to my ads? And it wasn't my ads' fault at all. It was this native placement thing. So, yeah, check that out. And, and you should, I mean, you should be running on Bing ads. I mm, think definitely. We, we see it being as effective, if not more effective um, in some cases another, than Google. Another Bing note, on right after March 31st or on March 31st, all ads on the Yahoo platform will be Bing ads. Because they, they used to be, and then they went away from mm-hmm. that, and they were doing their own thing and experimenting. and Okay. Yep. Cool. So there's the news of Roos, guys. So, that was a lot of news. Yeah. And that was found because of a data anomaly. Oh, I like that segue. You see the segue? There was no Ajita involved, though. Ajita. Ajita Joe. But Phil there's felt a- the Ajita, and, and it caused him to go look and see what was going on. There you go. So Melissa, you put these notes together. So you, these I did. these are six six of those funky metric things that happen from time to time. You want to start with number one, 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 one. Yes. So this is a combination of either tracking issues or just literally things that happen in your analytics because things happen in your analytics. Stuff happens. I like how matter of fact you are today. Right. Yeah. This is a thing and it exists. It'll it'll give you the agita. And sometimes they can give you agita. So our first, and this is in no particular order. That just, that's how it came out of my brain. So number one is talking about a drop in organic search traffic. Happens a lot. It happens a lot. And I would say uh, just this week we had a client come to us with, my traffic's down 30%. What's going on? Yeah. So here we go. You know what's funny? They never call us and say, hey, my traffic, my organic traffic's up 30%. No. What's up with that? Yeah. All they want to know is when things are down. <laughs> that's right. When it's red, that's when we get the calls. Yeah. So we need to look at, assuming you're looking at Google Analytics or any other analytics package, you need to know more than just traffic numbers. It's important. Traffic numbers aren't going to tell you anything other than there's something going on. So what is that something? My first recommendation is to take a look at your landing pages report and see is it a particular landing page that's causing the agita or is it site-wide what is going on once you go from there you might see that it's a particular blog post and we've seen this happen a lot that um, maybe it's a particular blog post that had been getting a slew of traffic that all of a sudden stopped potentially and that can happen when that page may have ranked for an answer box and then stopped that's a big (coughs) one someone took your uh, featured snippet from you and you can lose a lot of organic traffic for sure um but basically you need to start there use the data that's available within search console look at google trends for keywords to see if your demand has decreased over time Um, yeah that's an important one i don't (laughs) think people realize they can go to google trend just go Google, Google, Google Trends, it. right? And you'll see the link. But you can put in keywords right there, and it will show you demand for the last 10 years plus. And compare that you know, for, at, at a market level. Because sometimes, in the case recently, 
that where they had it. It was a market-wide issue because we right. started talking to other folks in the market. They were experiencing the same things. We looked at Google Trends. Guess what? It was down. Well, yeah, I think you also hit on a point there too where talk to your fellow hoteliers yeah. because if your traffic is way down from natural search, look around and talk to your competitors and yeah. you know, your colleagues yeah, and see if they have the same issue. Don't just look for your brand name either. Um, one thing that we've noticed over the past year or so is a lot of properties in Myrtle Beach where we have a lot of clients, natural search is down. We look at Google Trends and it matches, right? So a lot more people were searching for Myrtle Beach or Myrtle Beach hotels last year than they are this year. And we can right. see it in the trends. So we know the area's popularity is shifting right. a bit. So in the, in the case of the guys that were down 30%, they had a major hurricane last year that flattened the, a lot of the landscape. So we're getting into this point where some of bookings are, should be coming in, but there's a lot of people are probably reconsidering mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. the damage that was done last year. So it, it you should get involved if you're not already with local, if you have a hospitality association, a chamber of commerce, um, if you have a local HSMAI chapter, get involved with all of those organizations and network with peers. Go find people in your marketplace that are quote unquote competitors. And you, this industry, you know, for all its faults, I will give it a lot of credit in terms of collaboration. There's a lot of people willing to share information that mutually benefits. Especially market them. information. Right. Exactly. And that that's every so, that doesn't hurt anybody. How are you pacing? Data. That's yeah. a question that I you know I tip when I meet with any hotelier. How are you pacing when in in any destination? Because when you, when you learn, you know what the market is is doing, it gives a lot more context to your specific data. I know you just touched on it briefly, but Search Console is a great way to find. Um, so if you figure out what page you are losing traffic in, you can find that page within Search Console. Look at the queries that page is ranking for and, and try to glean any information you can from that as well. You might have lost some rankings. You might have lost a featured snippet. But, um, yeah, Search Console is a, a, a really good tool for that. Yeah. And, and don't get so hung up on just the traffic, right? The, you, you always cross-reference. If you see a drop in traffic, did your revenue, did your number of bookings and did your revenue drop? corresponding to that or right. not mm-hmm. right because it could be we had a case a while back when a client started ranking for some really weird keywords like they had a um sushi restaurants yes. was one that they were getting a ton of traffic from because they had an image that was showing up number one for google image search for sushi restaurants or something so random, random like that right in this but it, what, this client had nothing to do with no, the it, restaurant business, let alone sushi. Right, exactly. They just had, had written a blog about the area and included sushi restaurants. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those weird anomalies. And uh, they got a ton of traffic from it, but it didn't. Re- it never um, <clears throat> resulted in, in any kind of bookings. So the fact that their traffic dropped really didn't matter from a business perspective because the number of bookings and revenue they were getting didn't change. Exactly. And let's not overlook the technical side of SEO, just to make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. Just, especially if you've launched a new site recently, check your 301s, all, all the things that Phil likes to do. <laughs> yes, all of those technical SEO issues. That, I mean, especially like Melissa mentioned, if you redesign, um, you can cause, some, cause yourself some big problems uh, if you don't do everything properly. Um, it can cause you know pages lost, bad redirects, incorrect redirects, um, things that that would really hurt your traffic. So that's something you should definitely audit. Yep. 
All right, moving on to number two. two, 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 two. And this is sort of two and two <coughs> A. Two and two B. No, it's two and two A. Be two A and two B. Yeah. All right, two A <coughs> two B, and that would be or not two B. <laughs> either very high or very low bounce rates. Ooh. Now, you know how I feel about bounce rate. You love Throw them. them the you window. think they're the most important metric that any hotel can measure anything on? False. <laughs> that is false. So how do you feel? Maybe I misinterpreted your... It is definitely not a metric to live and die by. However, when used in appropriate context, can be helpful. And if that data is wrong, then it's even more useless than I've already said that it is. Yeah. So, and it can show you that there's something going on with potentially the tracking on your website. Most likely it is a tracking issue. So if we look at the low side of bounce rate, example, if your bounce rate is like one to 3%, also false, wrong, <laughs> no. Have you ever You're, seen it? It's that? just wrong. I have seen a one to 3% bounce rate and it's wrong. It's always wrong. <laughs> false yeah. i guarantee you i will put the four dollars in my savings account on the line to say that it's <laughs> wrong high roller i am so. you can have all four of my dollars if i'm wrong <laughs> wow put some money where mouth is that's right so there's two likely issues that's going to cause a artificially low bounce rate one is that your analytics code is somehow triggering multiple times when the site loads so this could be like maybe you have the analytics code in your header but it's also hard-coded on a page somewhere or you have Google Tag Manager firing it but it's also hard-coded somewhere on the page somewhere somehow it's firing multiple times and it's gonna cause basically an extra page view and Google's gonna say oh well that wasn't a bounce because it got measured twice mm -hmm. so false the second possibility is that there's some other element on the site that's being triggered when the page loads, such as a very common thing is a pop-up. So somehow a script is getting added to the pop-up page or the, the pop-up window and Google Analytics loads again and again. It's like, oh, another page view. We're not going to track this as a bounce if somebody leaves. And again, I will say false. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. So you can, just to stick on the pop-up thing, a lot of people will track like the interaction with a pop-up. Obviously, if it's a sign-up, you want to track that of some kind. But some people even track just like the close button because they want to know the percentage of people closing the pop-up versus signing up, and that's okay. But if all they're doing is closing the pop-up and not doing anything else, you need to be careful about how you're tracking that. So that could probably be a whole other episode. So that's the low bounce rate. To be, or not to be, <laughs> is a very high bounce rate. And this is almost as, as bad as when you see a really high bounce rate. So it, this is something you definitely need to look at by landing page. You can't just look at the whole site. It's not likely that your whole site has a 98% bounce rate. Probably not likely. Um, but looking at your landing page, it could be if you have a very high bounce rate that you've got some cross-domain tracking issues. Because let's say your homepage has a search widget and that widget is not working correctly. And people go from your homepage into your booking engine and your cross-domain tracking isn't working, you have now bounced. Dun, dun, dun. We see that a lot. Yeah, we do. 
Not if not if someone uses guest as not, not on guest because it's embedded no. in the domain because it's awesome. But yeah, if you're using Travel Cleric or you know Synexus, one We've of these seen guys it, uh, with a lot of flags too. Yeah, that don't offer us the right if, if they have a vanity URL something like that. Yeah. Yep. So that that's definitely very high on the list of reasons for a high bounce rate. Uh, if it's not a cross-domain tracking issue, take a look at, again, assume you're looking at it by page, by landing page, what's the source of traffic coming into that page, and did it change? So right, was it sushi restaurants? What, yes, that. Yeah, because if you wrote an article about the top five sushi restaurants in your destination, and people are coming in on that, they're probably not going to click through to see something else, you know, especially if you don't have a good call to action. So you really need to think about it from a landing page by landing page perspective. Okay, each page, if it were my home page, what information do I need to have on there and always be trying to convert that person to the next phase in the funnel. And well. that's more important now than ever. Every news page that you have should be the start of a conversion Journey, into yeah. the booking engine. Yep. And if it's if you have a dead end, that's just a nightmare because like from a sushi perspective, yeah, they're probably not interested in a hotel if they just come in straight on the sushi page, but you want to give them the opportunity to say, hey, we also sell hotels. Maybe not right now, yeah. but you know, come back when you're ready. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, articles like that can be really helpful to someone staying at your hotel. It can be great for brand awareness. I mean, so don't totally discount them, but just understand what that traffic is. Right. And try to nudge them through to something else, right? Try to get, collect an email, try to push them to another relevant related article or something like that maybe maybe you have another article which is about you know hibachi restaurants that also sell sushi or maybe you, you're going to have an event coming up where you're going to get a celebrity chef in or so you know think through it have a strategy but always try to think about what next because if you don't give them an option their only option is to bounce their only option is to close that window or go back to google so you've got to you've got to try to prime them and give them a reason to stay with you and do something else. All right. So bounce rate in general, I think we've we've talked about that as a metric before, and I think the important thing is, and and people, I'm going to ask you the question right now. What's a good bounce rate, Melissa? <laughs> There's no such thing. Right. So. But I will tell you, an average bounce rate for a hotel website looking at the site as a whole is probably between 20 and 40 percent again depending yeah. on where your traffic is coming and it's from. a big range right it but, is a big range but the important thing is not what what it you shouldn't get hung up in what is your bounce rate but you should look at it in context with other metrics and importantly you should look at it as a trend right so yes. when it changes drastically so when it if it is 30 percent and it drops to 20 or it is 40 and it drops to 30 <laughs> That's when there's an issue. That's when you need to start looking into that. Anomaly. Or if you see 99% or 1%. like well, Sure, if it's on the extremes, you've you know got a problem, up. right? But really, for the most part, for most people, it's about trending over time and seeing if there's a big disparity between what it used mm -hmm. to be and what it is today. It's right. a temperature gauge in your car. You don't care about it if it's in, until a, in it's the area a, until you're like, oh, wait a minute, I got a big problem. Right. But, it, I mean, but it depends, right, on your car, like different cars. So you might have a car that runs at zero Kelvin, and you might have a car that runs at 9,000 degrees. It, do, it doesn't matter which it is as long as you know what your car is typically. And then, okay, right. it just varied drastically. That's when you know there's a problem. All right. Moving on to number 
Oh boy, this one. Analytics revenue doesn't match my booking engine revenue. <laughs> talk it about doesn't. Ajita. Yeah. What? I said talk about Ajita. Ajita, what is this, that? It just happens all <laughs> the time. I think of these six things, all six of them I have had to uh, respond to within the last two weeks. Really? Yes. Probably multiple times some of them too. Yes. So and this is giving you loss of heartburn. Yes. Ajita. Well, this will. one's even worse though because it depends what analytics you're looking at. My Facebook analytics is way different than my booking engine analytics versus my Google Analytics analytics versus my, you know. It, it would be AdWords. great if they all matched up perfectly, oh wouldn't it? It would save Melissa a whole lot of time, but <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't. And this is why it's important to really understand what is and what is not reported in all your systems. And theoretically, in your website analytics system, be it Google, Adobe, or anything else, the only thing that should be reporting in there is revenue are bookings that came from real consumers that visited your website, period. Yes, but it's also, we know it's not 100% of those. There, there's a little bit of variance because JavaScript is not 100% efficient, right? So yes. you typically would expect some variance a little bit right one to two maybe a little bit more of a percent so we say up to five percent sure is is within normal parameters yes. right and that's what you're looking for because this is one of those rabbit holes you can go down and just waste a ton of time right you, if it's close stop right. you're probably right. fine yeah. your analytic system is not there to drive actual revenue management and if you want real 100% accurate revenue you need to go to your PMS system and call it a day mm -hmm. I mean that's that's right. the bottom line this is for trending and to be close enough to make business decisions right in comparisons of, yes. of mm -hmm. marketing over, campaigns and yes. things like that yeah for sure and there's you know I, my background is in physics and we we spend a lot of time in physics talking about the difference between accuracy and precision and accuracy Ooh. being in the ballpark and precision being specifically where it is, right? So you can have um, something that's precise and not accurate or accurate and not precise or accurate and precise or neither. But um, so, for example, if you're throwing darts in a dartboard, right, if you hit all of them in a bullseye, that's accurate and precise, right? If you hit them all and they're kind of around the bullseye, they're kind of accurate but they're not precise. But then if you clump them together, if they're, if you're down like to the bottom right-hand corner, but all three are right next to each other, they're, they're precise, they're precise <laughs> but they're not accurate, right? So there's a difference between accuracy mm -hmm. and precision. We're never really going to get precise with analytics, with JavaScript-based analytics like Google Analytics, but we're always going to be accurate if if it's implemented correctly. And that's a, that's a very important distinction. And to Pete's point, People I've seen get really anal about like a few dollars difference between two different systems. Yeah. Don't sweat that stuff. You know, as long as it's in the ballpark, as long as it's accurate, don't worry about it. It's good enough to make a decision. That's it. And that's not a cop out because no. you know, a lot of times we have clients say, well, I understand that it's very close, but I need to understand why I am 37 cents off from <laughs> this booking to that booking. You're like, just stop. Yeah. 
is this the most valuable thing I can do with my time? Right. Or, or is even, there something even if it's else a I couple of hundred dollars, you know, guess what? That one guy that made that one booking, his JavaScript call to whatever that packet got lost somewhere in the yeah. interwebs, or and it never hit the Google yeah. Analytics. How about it's okay? How about okay? Someone booked, then called and canceled. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's gonna look different in your PMS than it will on your on right. your Google Analytics or. Mm-hmm phone revenue can really throw this stuff off too if you don't have proper call tracking right. to, to pass the revenue back to your analytics that can that can really throw this stuff off sure true that cool okay moving on to number four next this deck, is next four. Deck. uh this is paid search traffic increases or decreases and again this is one we come up with pretty freaking awesome o- yeah, often i often, should say yeah. it <laughs> is freaking uh, awesome it's <laughs> It's common when, um, you know, you'll look at your overall visits to the website and why am I 30,000 visits down? It's like, oh, well, because you spent 20 grand in PPC last year and you spent two grand this year. Yeah, that might have a little bit of an impact on your PPC traffic. Yeah. A little bit. That's why I really think, you know, having annotations is important, but but also having kind of a master document, keeping track of what you did last year. Mm-hmm. So when you do see anomalies, you can go back and say, what's different this year? What what activities did we do last year that we didn't do this uh, year? And, and a lot of that is maybe don't put so much weight into your overall site traffic. Break it down by channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But I, I go back to an- annotations. When it, we're in Myrtle Beach or Florida, whatever destination you're in, if there's a hurricane, note that on your analytics anything that has some yeah. kind of impact you know yeah maybe there's a big event going on this year that wasn't last year yeah. or vice versa that you need to note that stuff mm-hmm. because it's been so many times where we're in a meeting we notice oh this is weird how come we had this and then you go back you spend hours to find out oh look there was an ice storm a year ago right and you know, nobody could get into the office to man the phones, right. whatever it might be. Yeah. And you spent hours of your valuable marketing time wasted because you forgot that it was a cold day. Yeah. So sometimes it's always good not just to look back one year, but to look back two or three or four years, because it could be that, oh man, I'm down or I'm up this year versus last year. But guess what? Last year was the anomaly, not this year. Like yeah. I'm actually trending the same as I was two and three years ago. But last year, something wonky happened. Yeah, make sure your benchmark is right. the right Yeah, because you're always comparing to the last 12 months. Well, what if last 12 months was not within normal parameters? Mm-hmm. That that means this isn't the anomaly. That was the yeah. anomaly. And, and, and we have a, a client who is an extended state property. And they have this with certain locations where if there was a storm and they have FEMA staying at a property, they're full up. Yeah. And then the next year, that storm's not there. It's not as if you can say, I need to do this to get that property back yeah. to 100%. And I'm going to go create another storm right. so FEMA uh, comes back. Yeah, you know, so having those annotations yep. help you better spend your marketing dollars. Yeah. Because you're, you're not trying to chase this phantom that you're not going to get back. But getting back to paid search specifically. <laughs> we went off on a little journey. <laughs> Hang on, Melissa. <laughs> Aside from... It's not like this is your episode. Or I anything. know. You're going to give me agita in a minute. <laughs> Aside from budget changes, there are other things. I mean, even if you're spending the same amount of money, sometimes you're not spending it the same way. So your CPC could have changed. Your ad copy could have changed. Maybe you were running a specific special last year that you're not running this year or vice versa. And then there's the tracking. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. the tracking. Please, 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 please. 
make sure that your campaigns are set in AdWords to auto tag. Learn those words, go Google them. Auto tag your AdWords campaigns because if you do not, Google Analytics will see all of that paid search as natural. And guess what? That's gonna wonk up your paid search traffic. Yep. And your natural search traffic. You're gonna think and you lost some crazy rankings, traffic. but it was really just paid. And your agita will kick in. <laughs> and then when you fix that, put an annotation in your Google Analytics of when you fixed it. That that shouldn't be a thing. You know, understand, like we're in twenty nineteen. Google's Google pretty is pretty Google. smart, right? Like it should auto tag. Right. It tells you it should click it. But People why do you don't. have to? Like, why, why do is I that have to enable e-commerce tracking in Google Analytics? Yeah, right. Why is that a thing? Right. Just turn it on. Now, if if you're telling me that it's an issue between Bing and Google Organic, that's one thing. But if it's Google to Google, right. yeah, I mean, it's like all who would wrong. not want to do it that way? You know, mm-hmm. surely the majority should rule, and they should just check turn the box. On. Like, go, go have an intern go into the code. And just set that checkbox to pre-check. And that's why Bing set their native yeah. advertising. Because they instead did the programming. Yeah, probably. All right, that's don't do that. It's a terrible that, idea. That's called a callback. Google to Google does not always yeah. work. I see uh, problems with um, Google Hotel ads and Chrome all the time. They do not like each other. But that's an aside. They're so, so, they're so siloed, though. Google, they are you know? so siloed. They don't talk to each other. It's crazy. It's very silly. Mm. Moving on. Next, next, next. We are next going to talk about Melissa. I've told you before. We need to number these in the show notes. Okay. So, that we so know speaking what number of Google, speaking of Google, this these notes are created in Google Docs, and right. I can't just put a number next to it without it creating an outline. What? It auto yeah. outlines, and I didn't want an outline. I just wanted a number. D- just put a number. It, it won't let you. I'm gonna it, do it right here. It, yeah, dude. What uh, yeah. are you talking about? Gosh, I just did. Oh, see, I put a period after it. Well, don't no, put a period. period. <laughs> but the most important thing is email traffic and or conversions. Which number is it, though? That's it's the most number, important. It's no, number just, five. It's number five because I know that there's six. All right. So email traffic and or conversions. And again, this is another wild card that if you're not keeping track of, like, if you don't have a content calendar where you're keeping track of these things, you may forget what you sent out last year that you did differently than you did this year. And so it can fluctuate pretty drastically. If you're not keeping an email content calendar, you're wrong. Because that's the only way you know what is an effective message to send. Or annotations. Wow. If you could yeah. see Pete right now, he's very animated. Like he, well, because this I, stuff drives me nuts. This. It's like, oh, we're trying to optimize our email campaign. What you send last? What worked last week? I don't, I don't know. know. I didn't write it down anywhere. Well, you got to. How are you going to optimize something that sure. you're always optimizing from the starting line? Yeah, you should always have a 12-month email calendar based on what you sent the previous year, yeah. in my opinion. You know? Because nothing happens more often than... Oh, there's this great event next week. We should promote it to drive rooms. <laughs> well, like, oh. it's too late. Everyone's already booked for that. Yeah, yeah. Or, and, yeah and tell me about that um, two months from backfill yeah, that before. calent yeah. calendar with uh, traffic numbers as well. How many? How many? Yeah, clicks fi- you got figure out. It, so here's what you do: you beginning of every year, you look back at the previous year and say, "Where were my soft spots? Let me create some kind of campaigns." That are going to drive people to those soft spots. When, when I was 100% occupied, I don't need to drive traffic to those those times. When was I soft? Let me create a, some kind of deal and let me get out ahead of that. Three, six months ahead of that. And that's what my email campaigns are going to be based on. You can do that at the beginning of the year. It doesn't take more than an hour or two. 
and then you've got a plan. You can always be flexible and adapt based on you know how you trend and how you're filling up, but have at least some rudimentary plan. The chances are, if you're soft in September this year, you're probably going to be soft in September next year and the year after and the year after and the year after. So drive your campaigns towards those soft spots. Melissa, you need to get your people under control. This is about analytics tracking for email. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all the people. Everyone in the world that's responsible for email tracking. Yes. You need to get them straight. All right. Last but not least, certainly not least, is when your own domain shows as a referral in your analytics report. That happens way more than it should. Oh. You know what's weird? And I'm going to toot our own horn a little bit. And you actually did this, Melissa, this, this week. So we sent out the internal newsletter of what's going on at Fuel to our employees. And you gave a shout out to our guest desk team, to the booking engine team. I love them. Because they, they are literally the only booking engine in the, in the world, in the universe, I would say, that actually give a crap about analytics. Because we work with every PMS under the sun and their booking engine. We work with the big boys and their booking engines, the travel clicks, the Gilesis is. Gilesi? I guess that would be the plural. I don't know. Maestro. Yeah, that's one of the PMSs, right? Yeah. They don't know how to track things. They don't know how to implement analytics. They don't know how to do... Nor basic... do they give a crap about it, right. apparently, because they haven't done the research themselves on how to put basic freaking Google Analytics on it. Oh, you're, I'm hey, so mad I'm, right now. Are we now? burning your buttons right oh, now? Oh, don't get me well, started. Melissa and I were just dealing with this with one... There was a yeah. button fire this week. <laughs> yes. It's a bonfire. Her goat has been gotten. All the buttons the, are The buttons long on gone. her goat have been gotten and burned. <laughs> That's how bad it is. So angry. The goat has Adra. Okay. And therefore has burned its buttons. There you go. Do you yeah. have Adra because of how many times that word's been mispronounced in this episode? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Do you have Adra about Adra? I think that's the Adra about Adra. It's Adra Inception. Okay. There you go. So if if someone were to see their own domain as a referral, a referring URL in the analytics, what 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 would one do? More than likely, this is a cross-domain tracking issue, and the very 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 first thing you need to do is go to Google Analytics and go into the admin section and go under the property thing that is in the middle of the go- of the admin console and expand that and go to the tracking and then the referral exclusion list and make sure your domain and your booking engine domain, unless you're using guest desk because it's the same, uh, are listed in that referral exclusion list. And my recommendation is just the domain, no www, no HTTP, no HTTPS, just your domain.com and make sure that that's listed there. And, and you need linker code as well? Well, that's step number one. Now, if you do that and Theoretically, that should remove now your domain from showing up. But if what happens instead is now that 90% of your revenue is showing up as quote unquote direct traffic, then you got to go look at your linker code and your all of your cross domain tracking setup and make sure that that is. Working. You know what would be awesome if someone had taken the time to like spell this out in some kind of blog format where they went like step by step how to fix this specific problem. If I, someone had I, done that, that would be amazing. That's amazing because I think we've already done that. What? Yes. I'm shocked. I, I believe Shut that we have. Shocked right now. Yes. 
So what you actually wrote a blog post that did exactly that? I actually wrote a blog post. And let me tell you what's not in the blog post. I'm going to give some free advice right now to all just these subscribers of this podcast are only privy to this very piece of knowledge. That's pretty much the whole hospitality industry, to be honest. Okay, here is my tidbit of information when it comes to cross-domain tracking. Mm -hmm. Do not, do not, under any circumstances, ever build a search widget on your website using Gravity Forms. It will never (laughs) work with cross-domain tracking ever. And you and your developers and your whole team will spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours trying to figure out why it doesn't work. Just don't build So Gravity Forms is a plugin for WordPress to clarify for people that aren't aware. But yeah, I agree. It's it's wonky. It breaks stuff. Don't do it. Don't do it. Mm. But it's great for what it is. Gravity Forms for submitting information, not for creating stuff. a search. Yeah. Right. It's not, you know, don't use it for the end all be all tool. Yeah. yeah don't hack up your forms. That's what Pete's saying. Yeah. That's what well, you saying. just use guest desk and you get the search widgets for free. Well, look at that. How about that? And you don't have to worry about cross domain tracking at all. So even though this is an analytics episode, I feel like the overriding message is you should get switch guest to guest desk as <laughs> your booking engine. Because it integra- integrates with your whatever PMS you're using, and it's phenomenal from See, an analytics the, what, what I got out of this episode is consider Prilosect OTC for your agita issues. <laughs> <laughs> Take the purple pill. We're going to get sued. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. This episode brought to you by, by agita. <laughs> agita. What is it? Agita. Ah. You changed the A now. Agita. Agita. Is Ajita? Ajita. Ajita. A at the start of a word doesn't say ah. Awful. No, you're just saying that weird. And that's in W afterwards. What about Agile? the same A? How do you say Agile? Agile. Okay, it's not Agile. No. Okay. But awful is like Ajita. But it's A-W. It's different. The wa wa is making the wa sound. Oh. Whatever. It's not the A. The A is still ah. Melissa, you need to get your people under control. Think, <laughs> you I don't think people British people get to talk about how you say the A letter. Dude, dude we invented the language. Yeah, we you made it better. <laughs> wow. I don't think so. Just like everything else. <laughs> we have lost our entire subscriber base. Yeah. They've all got Ajita from this episode. Yes. This is the Ajita episode. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. All right, do Please. you have some conclusions I'm going to put make? a little bow on this episode all right. right now. Do it. First... And Stuart already said it, but I'm going to say it again. And that's always, always, always remember that traffic doesn't make you money. It doesn't. But converting traffic does. So be careful and not get trapped by vanity metrics. When your traffic changes, also look at your revenue changes. Because if your traffic's down but your revenue's not, maybe, you know, don't go diving off a cliff. Well, don't do that. Don't go chasing waterfalls. You shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) You say that in song form. (laughs) There's never been a song about that. <laughs> no, he's real original. Yeah. Also, always check your technical tracking of things again before jumping off a cliff. Sometimes a really simple analytics fix is all that's needed and things will be all okay. Yeah, and going back world. to the, we did the episode recently about the auditing. Auditing your analytics is important. You should look at it at least on a quarterly basis just to make sure everything's tracking the way it should. Booking engine technology, unless you're using guest desk, tends to change sometimes and it will often when it changes it will break something and that's that's happened more times than i can count for sure and if you have an in-house person 
running checking on your analytics regularly maybe it's time to get an expert to take a look yeah man we're doing a hard sell today in this episode (laughs) i don't care (laughs) use fuel travel time to toot the horn yeah you think no we've done 108 there was 107 previous episodes we don't sell hard on this show very often maybe we've done it twice it's okay but they don't listen to to buy our wares. They listen for the education. And we I feel educate? like Melissa did a education masterclass today. So good job, Melissa. Thank Thanks. You. Yeah, I like analytics. And we episodes. had a duet. This is the first time ever. He's right. The episode peaked at the duet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next time I want clarinet too. Yeah. Well, well, maybe we do like a trio next. You're gonna get after barbershop the, quartet. Sh- oh, four of us man. here. I don't know. That would require me and Phil to sing, and I don't think that's... Nobody wants that. No, that's not not good for anyone. Not a good look. So, cool. Thanks. Thanks. That was a really good episode. Pete, any uh, updates on the bees? No. Still dead. Bee news. Is there going to be? I mean, we're at at that time of the season. I don't know. I really don't know how much. Please, if you're listening, please, for the love of all that is bees, you know, if you want, if you love this planet... We need more bees. Yeah. I mean, that's a I fact. Right? That. Did you see the little bee houses? I did, but those aren't for honey bees. What are they for? It said specifically some. not for honey. Yeah. Oh. So that's a waste like of time. That's stagabond. Yeah, we don't care about those bees. Vagabond <laughs> bees. But Pete, listen. I mean, we're in this existential crisis right now as 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 a planet, and bees are the solution. And you, my friend, are one of the few qualified apiarists in the world. This is true. So if, the, if you listen to the show and you qualified, he killed like, them all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm like an point, well hit man. <laughs> this is true. But if, if you listen to the show and you love this planet and you want more bees in the world, write us and let us know. And especially hit up Pete or and tell you, him or he needs to get... Or if you like hotel get, marketing, nah, hit us up. We don't do a lot of that. I'm going gonna, gonna to start a GoFundMe for a new queen for Pete. <laughs> queen B, just to clarify? Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> all right. So, Pete, if, if they want to let you know how much that your bees mean to them, how can they find you on the I web? would do it on Twitter, and they can find me at P-D-I-M-A-I-O. P-D-I-M-A-I-O. Melissa, if they want to tell you about how Pete needs bees, where can, can they do that? You can find me on Twitter at M-A-Kavanagh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And, Phil, if they want to tell you that you're just the bees knees, where can they do that? Uh, GoFundMe slash Pete's Bees. <laughs> I don't know. You need to create You that. can find me at uh, Twitter at P Foresca, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. You can find me on Twitter at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. You can get the notes to this episode at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 108. And please, 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 we haven't done this in a while, but we would really like it if you enjoy the show, if you get something out of it. If you want to go leave a review, that would really, really help us, especially on iTunes. That seems to be where I don't even know why, but every podcast says it really helps us. I'm not sure how it helps us, but I believe it does. So go leave a review on iTunes and we'll read it out in the show. Next next week, we're going to actually read out a couple that we've got that have been sitting there for a while. One is really good. One is really not so good. So We'll read those out next week, and if you write in and have a review, we'll read yours as well. We're all for constructive criticism. We are. We we actually listened to the one negative feedback. I think we've adjusted a little bit. Based yeah, on you that, negative so. feedbacker. I hope you liked our uh, actionable pod. Or yeah, actionable podcast. That's right. We're going actionable, people. That's the buzzword. Get it? Buzzword. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. 
So, in terms of agita and Italian words, what do you call a fake noodle? I don't know. An impasta. <laughs> <laughs>